Welcome back, King of Kings family. We are very excited to have you connecting in worship with us today. Thank you to the worship team, our readers as well. Uh, you guys enrich our time together. Thank you so much. And as has been said, Shana Tova, happy Biblical New Year to everybody. We hope you're off to a great start. Let me welcome everyone in the pavilion and those of you in the lobby today, those of you in the summit, those of you in the celebration center, those of you watching online today all around Israel and our friends watching around the world, we welcome you to Jerusalem. Those of you watching on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, King's Community Live, we are so happy that we get to be together as a family today, no matter what situation we're in. And it's a big week because we're headed into the Passover week soon to come. And I want you uh, to realize that there's a lot of excitement right now in our community. There's some momentum happening. Uh, we are just concluding our Daniel study series together in the community groups. So check in with your community group leaders uh, for that. We have our discipleship semester coming up in just a few weeks. You're going to start hearing announcements about it. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, go to kkcj.org. Make sure you sign up for our local congregational newsletter so you can get all of the information and the links to the discipleship classes that you're all invited to. And you might ask, uh, Pastor Chad, what are we doing for Passover? Listen, check in with your community groups and your community group leaders as we are all connecting in various ways. It's hard to be part of our congregation unless you serve and you connect to a community group. So do that for me. Let's stay connected during this holiday season. Go ahead and get your Bibles, get your devices. Let's get started in the Word of God together today. Turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19 is our main uh, text today. I'm going to go through a couple of verses there. And as I was studying this week in preparation for the Passover to come, I realized in John 19 that there are several mentions of the preparation week for Passover. I was reminded that Yeshua, of course, is our Passover lamb, that he was slain for our sins, that his blood purchased our freedom from slavery and from sin, and we connect all of the symbolism of the Passover with Yeshua uh, himself. I was reminded of the New Testament days of preparation, which we are now in. Right now, we are in that period. You know, we said, Happy New Year to you because the biblical command for God's New Year is Nisan 1. And we are now past Nisan 1. We are into Nisan. But we're coming up on the 10th of Nisan when we would have selected the lamb and the 14th of Nisan when we would have um, sacrificed and used the blood of that lamb for Passover. So we know we're in that preparation week right now. I want to say a few words before we dive into the text, and that is, in past Jewish traditions, it was not uncommon for rabbis or teachers to have a Seder meal the night before the actual Passover. Why would they do this? Because the Passover is a family-oriented celebration. Most of the laws have to do with being with your family inside of the house, not leaving the house all night long to bring your relatives in, to cook the meal together, to apply the blood on the door, etc. And it is a family-oriented holiday. So, if you're a teacher, if you're a rabbi, and you want to connect with your people, you need to do that a day before Passover, so that on Passover you could possibly be with your family. And I think we see a little bit of this happening in the text today with Yeshua and the, the, the last Seder, you might say, or the last supper, this Seudat Ha'adon, where we take the Lord's Supper together 
and we focus that model on this last meal together. Now, as we begin to read in John chapter 19, I want to remind you that the Seder meal has happened. Yeshua and the disciples have gone out into the garden to pray. Yeshua has already been arrested. So these things have already happened throughout the night. And we pick it up in John chapter 19, verse 12. Let's begin there. Our main text, John 19, verse 12. It says, From then on, Pilate tried to set Yeshua free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Yeshua out and sat down on the judge's seat as a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation. That's what I want you to focus on. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away and crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. So we see the, the backdrop is they've had the Seder meal. They've gone to pray in the garden. Yeshua's been arrested. He's standing before Pilate. And it mentions it's the day of preparation, which means we're not quite to the Passover launching moment at Sabbath sundown just yet. Later in that same chapter, I'm still in John 19, look at verse 31. We see the phrase used again. It says, now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Okay, so understand the timeline here. We've had the Seder. We've gone to the garden to pray. We've been arrested. We've sat before Pilate. Yeshua's already been on the cross now for some time. And now they're proposing to break the leg so we can end this process before the holiday gets there, before the special Sabbath arrives. Friends, have you noticed how rushed to judgment this whole scenario is? That Yeshua, supposedly having a... Seder meal with his disciples a day before Passover arrives. Late in the evening, he's having the meal. Then they go to the garden and pray. Then he's finally arrested in the garden. And from that point, he is tried illegally throughout the night. He stands before Pilate and it said the timestamp was about noon that next day. Then he's been on the cross. He's been crucified and they're trying to get his body down before sundown. It, the whole process took less than 24 hours. That's how rushed the judgment was. And can we say this about unrighteousness? If someone wanted to be truly righteous and, and just in the process, they would have allowed the facts and the witnesses to come forward. But in this case, I believe the religious leaders knew what they were doing was unjust. It was unfounded. They did not have the facts and the evidence they needed against Yeshua. So they rushed it through the system. And any time you see something being pushed through the system so quickly, beware. Because this was corrupt, being pushed through the system. Yeshua's own followers didn't even have time to gather. They didn't have time to rally the troops. They didn't have time to send the word out all over the nation to say, Come and protest. Come and stand with Yeshua. Chant, set him free. They didn't even have time to do it because it was rushed to judgment. Within 24 hours, he was already on the cross and passing away for our sins. Same chapter. Look at verse 38 of John 19. It says later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Yeshua. So now we've had the Seder. 
We've been in the garden to pray. We've been arrested. We've been before Pilate. We've been crucified on the cross. We've been on the cross. And the Sabbath is approaching when we pick this part up. And now we're, we're coming down from the cross. It says, Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Yeshua. Now Joseph was a disciple of Yeshua. But secretly, because of, he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Yeshua at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Yeshua's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Yeshua was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. There it is again. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Yeshua there. So why did they have to do it so quickly? Why did they have to lay him in a tomb fairly close to where he was, uh, he was sacrificed for us? Well, it was because the Sabbath holiday was approaching, and they needed to do this quickly because sundown was getting upon them. And so they found a, a good location close by. Uh, they wouldn't have to travel too far. And they wanted to get this done before the Sabbath. The Lord bless Joseph and Nicodemus for doing this. So what's my point? What am I driving at in all of this, besides the rush to judgment and its corruption? My point is that we don't magically find ourselves inside the holidays. We don't want to go from the common place and the common day the common week into the Holy Week and just magically appear there. But there's a time of preparation. It said in this passage, John 19, three different times, it was the week of preparation. It was the day of preparation. It was the time of preparation. The people were preparing for something significant in a moment where they could meet with God. Let me give you your first key phrase today. There is preparation that we are called to do in order to get ready for the major things that God is going to do. Again, there's a preparation that we need to do to get ready for the major things that God is going to do because there are significant moments during the feasts and the festivals where God wants to encounter His people. Now, those of you that are members of King of Kings Community Jerusalem and are part of our, our local congregation, live in Israel, you understand that there's a lot of preparation that goes into these holidays here in Israel, especially for the Passover. Uh, we're headed into that week right now. Of course, there are the joint holidays of Pesach or Passover and Chag HaMatzah, that's the unleavened bread week. It's a holiday, it's a national holiday. The schools are out. Uh, if people had jobs, they would be off work. There are special sections in the grocery stores that are set aside. They they get rid of all the bread and the leavening or they cover it up and they tape it up and you can't even get to it so the stores look very different than they might normally look. There's the cleaning out of the chametz from the house. There's sweeping and vacuuming and meticulous work that we put into getting the house prepared, getting all the leaven out, getting all the sin out symbolically. Me and my kids, what we love to do is, is go around the house, collect the bread, collect the leaven, sweep and vacuum, and then we get all of it into a pile and we burn it in the fire. It's one of my children's favorite things to do as we prepare for Passover. Uh, if you're in a religious community and you go the extra mile in preparation, you might hire a company to come to your house and to clean it, uh, to do a special deep cleaning right here in the springtime. Many people send 
their blankets or their carpet or their sheets out to cleaners to get them ready to get rid of the leaven. The Seder meals are prepared, of course. The Seder plates are prepared. The place to eat it with your family is prepared. Lots of things in this week and day of preparation leading to the Passover. And we certainly understand that here in Israel. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Something was highlighted to me for the very first time. I never saw this before and I wanted to share it with you. Matthew 26, 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Yeshua and asked, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, of course, this is a little bit different timeline than, than we were looking at in the book of John. But it was the phrase, where do you want us, your students, to prepare for you, our master, to eat the Passover? And I'd never seen that before, that they had, they had distinguished between their serving the Lord. They know that this is significant for him, that something significant is about to happen and be unleashed. And so they go to the Lord and they say, where do you want us to prepare it for you. They could have easily said, where do you want us to prepare the Seder for us? Because after all, Messiah, Yeshua, Rabbi, aren't you going to do a Seder with us? But they didn't. Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the meal? I thought that was significant as, as we serve the Lord, as, as we come into his holidays, not so much so that we get all of the benefit, but it's that we have a moment of connecting with our God. And we say, Lord, how can we prepare ourselves for you? Because we want to be clean and ready in your presence. We're preparing for this encounter with God. And don't forget, in the original Passover, of course, the lamb was selected several days before the sacrifice was made. And the ancient people of Israel, they had to experience a preparation phase as well. And we see this season of preparation all throughout patterns in the Bible. And I'm just going to take a moment to mention a few where there was something supernatural about to happen and the people of God were called to prepare for it before it arrived. They did not magically land in that supernatural moment. They prepared themselves for what God was about to do. The building of the ark in Noah's time. There was a long season, many, many years, where he and his family prepared for that supernatural significant moment. David wrote the songs of ascent in the book of Psalms where um, uh, we, would, we would sing them prior to arrival at the temple for worship. So we were preparing ourselves along the way. And then when you arrived at the temple, don't forget there was the mikvah, there was the washing, the bathing, the clothes, preparing to go into the temple to worship. We didn't just show up. We prepared ourselves for our encounter with the Lord. We had to prepare our own sacrifices to get them ready, to select them, maybe days or weeks or months in advance. What was our first fruit going to be? We had to prepare what was the sacrifice, lamb, goat, or sheep going to be, the bull? Which one would we choose? We had to inspect it. There was a preparation phase for our encounter with the Lord. Certainly on the holidays, the priests had to prepare themselves. I'm, I'm reminded of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the high priest had to wake up in the morning and begin a long day of preparation way before he made atonement for the people. He had his own bathing. He had his own garments he had to put on. He had his own sacrifices, his own sprinkling to do. Then he could move on to making atonement for the people. A great time of preparation. I'm reminded also of a crucial chapter in the Bible and a crucial chapter 
in the story and the history of the Jewish people, Exodus chapter 19. This is the covenant offer chapter. This is the chapter where God offers the covenant not only to Abraham's immediate family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but where it fans out to all of the tribes of Israel, Exodus chapter 19. And in verse 14, we have this section. It says, After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them. They washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. And on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. You see, they had three days of preparation before they had their encounter with God at the foot of the mountain. And that's a pattern we see in Scripture, that before something significant happens in the kingdom of God, before we have an encounter with God, there is a time of preparation, just like the week of preparation leading to Passover. Now, I want to start making this personal to us. And yes, I made it personal in the sense of you got to go clean your house, you got to get ready, you got to get the food and the Seder meal and the Seder plate and all of that. Certainly, that's, that's personal, that's applicable. But I, I want to take this to an application level on the spiritual plane as well. I want to look at this from a larger perspective, not just about Passover week, but really about what is God doing on the earth? What is He significantly about to do? What is that encounter moment that we are soon to have with God that we might find ourselves needing to prepare for right now. And I think as we look at these next few verses, I hope you can see yourself prophetically in the scriptures and the assignments that God is giving to us. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40, first three verses. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins, a voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now your translations, some of you have make straight a highway, some say a path, some say a road, but prepare the way for the Lord. Friends, do you understand that we have an assignment, that we are being called to prepare the way for the Lord's return? It's not that we just get saved and we live our own life on an island and hope, cross our fingers and hope things don't go really bad in our life. We're hoping that he'll come back soon. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to engage in the marketplace. We're called to engage in community life. We're called to engage with our friends and family and peers. And we're called to do what Isaiah said, which is to prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight His paths. So we have an assignment. I was reminded that from that Isaiah 40 chapter, we see a connection to Yeshua's cousin, John. John, the one who immersed people with repentance. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3 makes it very clear that Isaiah and part of Isaiah's prophecy referred to John as well as to us. It says, Matthew chapter 3, In those days John the Immerser came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. You see, John was called to prepare the way of the Lord Yeshua's earthly coming as the Messiah. John was called to do that. And yet we find ourselves in the, the duality of the prophetic scriptures of Isaiah, now called to prepare the way of the Lord's return to the earth. So John gave us the example of how to do it. It's the message of repentance. It's the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. So we have that same message. He did it for Yeshua's first coming. We do it for Yeshua's second coming. He prepared the way of the Lord. We're called to prepare the way of the Lord. But there are other things. There are other assignments. There are other things we are called to prepare as well. Check this out in Isaiah 62, verse 10. Pass through, pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Notice it wasn't for the Lord. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones. Raise a banner for the nations. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your Savior comes. See, His reward is with Him. And His recompense accompanies Him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. I know you, you, you caught that because I highlighted it, but I hopefully you, you get this deeply, that in that selection, we weren't only called to prepare the way of the Lord, we were called to prepare the way of the people as well. And this is repeated again in Isaiah 57, verse 14. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. Wow. Those are some great assignments. So what is all of this focus on preparation? What, what are we called to do? Well, I'm giving us some homework assignments. I'm, I'm highlighting that we have assignments regarding preparing the way and the return of the Lord. We have two of them. Prepare the way of the Lord's return and then prepare the way for the people to encounter their God. We have two assignments. Now you might say, that sounds a little bit like over here we're making one path clear and over here we're making another path clear. It sounds like we're a little bit of a matchmaker. That's exactly right. And that's what I've entitled today's Passover preparation message, matchmakers. Because we are called to be matchmakers between the people that don't know God and God himself. We make a path straight for both of them. We clear the way. We remove obstacles so that these two uh, wonderful possibilities can happen between God the creator and his creation. Bringing his children home so that he can meet with them and they can meet with him. And we get to play a crucial role in that at the close of this age. We get to play matchmaker. It reminded me of the, the, the term in, in Hebrew that we use, the, the shadchan. This is, the, the, the word shadchan is a matchmaker. Literally, it's a, it's a matchmaker. Some of you might have heard the term yenta. That's not actually a matchmaker, so be careful how you use that. But shadchan is a matchmaker, and I have been the eyewitness in Israel of watching the matches being made by the matchmaker. I was in a hotel lobby uh, not too long ago uh, speaking to a visiting leader, and while we were there, there was an Orthodox community of about 20 young men and about 20 young women. And the Shadchan was there matchmaking. And, and what they were doing was they would take a few minutes. I think it was three to five minutes. And then a bell would ring. And it was like Jewish speed dating. 
And they would move from chair to chair across the lobby and meet with a different young man and a different young woman. And then eventually they would give a report to the, to the uh, matchmaker and they would file it. And then eventually there could be follow-up calls to see if there was interest. Interesting. Even today they're doing something that there was an ancient practice back then. Now today there's lots of ways to meet people in the, the modern age. Of, of course, some of us still meet traditionally. We meet in our community groups. We meet at the congregation. We meet during an outreach or a, a night out with a group of friends. There's a traditional way to meet. There are some modern ways to meet too, and I don't want to overlook those modern ways. You know, I was looking this up. How do uh, people meet today? And a lot of websites are now how people are meeting. Match.com, eHarmony is one of them. And maybe you're a little bit older and Silver Singles is maybe a place for you. Or there's a website called Date My Age. You know, I thought that was an interesting take on it. Maybe you're, as a believer, you're saying, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved with anybody who's an unbeliever. Well, great. There's a, there's a matchmaking website for you called Christian Mingle. Or maybe as a Jewish believer, you're saying, I don't want to get involved with anybody who's not Jewish. I want to meet other Jewish people. Well, great. There's a website for you. There's a matchmaking website called J-Date, Jewish Dating Online. So there's lots of ways to do this, to play matchmaker. But we are called to play a matchmaker on the earth right now. So how do we do it? Well, let's look at the first assignment. How do we prepare the way of the Lord? We establish the Lord's kingdom values on earth, because that's what Yeshua was doing. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We establish the kingdom values on earth and we live them out here. That means we relate to people by kingdom dynamics. If there's a conflict, we resolve them. If there's a need for witnesses, we bring them. If there's a need for repentance, we offer repentance and forgiveness. We keep short accounts. We bring these relational dynamics from the kingdom of heaven down to earth. We live according to kingdom values. We live according to the patterns, the cycles, the seasons, the calendar that God has established. And when we're in that flow with God, we are preparing the way for the Lord because we're bringing His kingdom down to earth. His power is then revealed through us so that others might see His kingdom in its reality. Those are some examples of how we prepare the way of the Lord, assignment number one. What about assignment number two? How do we prepare the way for the people? Well, first of all, we're called to be an example to them of who Yeshua is, how we treat them, how we love them, how we serve them. We are called, and I like to use this phrase, we're called to show people the love of God, but in a practical way. That means we meet their needs. We serve them. If we can meet their physical needs, their heart will often open. You ever wonder why we have the manna kitchen and, and, and several feeding centers all around Israel? You ever wonder why we have the distribution center? Have you ever wondered why we have Redeemed in Zion where we give appliances and we help new immigrants and new Olim to get established in the land? Because we know that if we touch their physical need like Yeshua did, their heart will open for the Word of God. And that's the example we saw in Yeshua. This is preparing the way for the unbeliever to meet God by being an example of Yeshua to them. And finally, you even find this in our mission statement, we get a chance to reveal the true face of Yeshua to them. Because remember, guys, they've heard about a God, about a Messiah, about a Savior, with wrong information from the world, with the media, from the slant and the, and the incorrect history and the, and, and, and the bad background. 
things taken out of context. So we got to show them the true face of Yeshua. And these are some of the ways that we prepare the way for the people to encounter their God. Now, does this change what we talk about many times? Does this change our destiny? No. We as children of God, co-heirs with the Messiah, those that inherit eternal life, those that will inherit the keys to the kingdom, those that will rule and reign with the Messiah, that is our destiny. But there are other assignments. I'll give you our second key phrase today. On the path to our destiny, we have other assignments. We have things like the Great Commission, preach the gospel, make disciples, teach what Yeshua taught. And today I've added uh, onto this list two preparation assignments. So it's not just the Great Commission and those three. It's the two preparation assignments. Prepare the way for the Lord's return and prepare the way for people to encounter Yeshua. How do we do that? I gave you some examples, but I think Isaiah said it best. Chapter 57, verse 14 of Isaiah. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. You might say, well, we, isn't, it in a, isn't it enough to live by kingdom values? Well, that's good. Is it enough to, to try to show them the love of God and to serve them? That's good too. It's part of it. But removing the obstacles means we have to look inward. And preparing for Passover helps us do that. Looking at unleavened bread and getting the sin out of our life helps us to do that. Can we remove the obstacles this year of hypocrisy in our life? Can we remove the obstacle of a lack of character or flaws that we know the Lord is trying to touch and work on? Self-centered motives, selfish gain. I could go down a long list of things that certainly could be obstacles for the unbelievers that are watching us in our attempt to reveal the true face of Yeshua to Israel and the nations, to be that person who represents the kingdom of God on earth. Let's remove the obstacles. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the people by removing the obstacles from in front of them. Be a matchmaker. That's God's call for us. Yes, we have the the destiny to rule and reign with Him, and He is preparing a place for us. Absolutely, that doesn't change. But along the way, along the path to our end destiny, There are assignments like the Great Commission. There are assignments like the preparation assignments that we've talked about today. So let me summarize with a close. Before the Passover lamb's blood could be applied for salvation from sin and the protection of the death angel in the ancient times, there was great preparation taken for the Passover. In Yeshua's day, as well as in our day, we go to great efforts to prepare for the Lord's Seder meal, prepare our house, to prepare our family, hopefully to prepare our heart. Why? Because we want to receive the fullness of what Yeshua wants to reveal to us. And when our heart is in a good place to receive, we receive more in these critical moments that God has set up. And even as we saw John called to prepare the way of Yeshua's earthly arrival as Messiah, so we are called to prepare the way for the Lord to return as the conquering king. We are also called to prepare the way for people of the earth to encounter God and to experience his kingdom and his power and his presence on earth. We do that by living out kingdom principles and by serving and by removing the obstacles from in front of the unbelievers like hypocrisy, self-centeredness, selfish gain. They don't need to see this in the life of believers because these 
are obstacles that we want to remove so that in the end we can reveal to them the true face of Yeshua, the way He really is, a loving Creator who only wants good things for His children, who paid the price of death that we might have freedom from sin, that gave up His own blood as the Passover lamb so that we didn't have to pay that price, and who is preparing a place for us now, preparing a destiny, preparing us to rule and reign with Him and for Him as co-heirs with Yeshua, ready and willing to hand over the keys to the kingdom to His faithful servants. May that be an encouragement for you this week. I'm going to pray over you and just impart this to you. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we pray for fruitfulness this week. We pray for a great week where your Holy Spirit is working in our heart. May you help us to bring the kingdom of God on earth. May you help us to live out kingdom principles and values. May you help us to remove obstacles in our own life. May you help us to remove obstacles that might be a hindrance to the unbelievers around us. Show us how to do that and fill us with your power. We know you love your people, your children. Help us to love them the way you love them and to reveal your true face. We pray this today as a community. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, listen, it's an exciting week. It's a week of preparation. Make sure you check in with your community group leaders. There's lots of regulations changing, so we're so happy you're with us today. Maybe you're in the sanctuary. Maybe you're in the building. Maybe you're watching from home. But regulations are changing very rapidly. So make sure you're on the newsletter, you're checking on our social media, you're checking on our website, so you know how we can worship together in the weeks to come. And we can't wait to see you back in person soon. Have a fruitful week.